Welcome to the Who Shuffled Tabletop Podcast. Episode 17, D&D Part 1. Welcome to Who Shuffled. I'm Tom Tanner, and with me today I've got Ryan Hutchison, Hugh Stevens, and Philip Watson. How's it going, Phil? Great. I'm excited. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> That's right. Phil's been in our um, Star Wars group and our D&D group for a while, and he this is going to be our RPG episode. And I'm really excited about this episode. Phil has volunteered to DM the campaign for us. I have no idea how involved or how long this is going to be or how many episodes we'll stretch this out over. Um, it could just be one or two or more. We'll just have to kind of see how it goes. But um, I'm really excited about this. Phil, you've got some Ravenloft stuff, the, the new 5e version. Is that correct? That's right. So this is a reworking of the old Ravenloft uh, that was originally made back in the, I guess, 80s for uh, AD&D, and they reworked it uh, for 5th edition as the Curse of Strahd. It's uh, really fascinating how modules have come in, in the decades, because instead of getting a little bitty book now, you have basically all these nice detailed subquests that fit together and can take a party from, you know, just brand new, rolling up the characters to high levels, to facing the big bad. It's uh, really neat how they do this. And it allows somebody like me, who's never GM'd uh, D&D before, to jump right in and uh, get to work. Yeah, sounds fun. Um, you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your um, RPG background? I guess we could have done that first, but <laughs> you're pretty experienced, probably more so than anybody in the group, I think. Well, you know, it, it, it everything varies. I've probably been doing it longer, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean to better experience. Certainly had some uh, kind of a rough start. I started back in the, the 90s playing uh, an RPG called Rifts, which I don't know if anyone's familiar with, but it's got a, a bit of a bad reputation for people who don't really roleplay very well and just kind of try to get as powerful as they can and kill stuff and... So that, that wasn't really a good start. So would you say it's like real susceptible to metagaming? Is that what you mean? Like min-maxing and stuff? Very. Okay. You can get some pretty much like godlike characters off the bat, and it's eh, not really fun. But I guess when you're a you know, teenager or something, it, it's an okay start. But from there, you got to explore some other games like the original Star Wars and... Uh, some things like that. Didn't really play D&D for the first time until college. Started out playing AD&D, and then the uh, third edition came out, which was really cool. Um, then finally uh, you know, played some other games, some indies, other publishers, and got back to fifth edition with you guys. And it's really interesting to see how things have changed while keeping a lot of the, the core spirit the same. I, I like 5th edition because it's really streamlined a lot of things um, while making it much more accessible, too. 
Yeah, I was actually um, interested in what you thought about that because I have basically said that quite a bit on the podcast, and so has Ryan, that we were comparing it to the other editions, but I personally don't have any experience with that. So I was kind of, I'm just going off of what others have told me and what I've read. But as I mean, so you think we're pretty, pretty um, dead on that 5e is very streamlined and easy to start. Like it's a good place to start for someone who's never done any RPGs. Yeah, I think it's nice and easy to start and it's not dumbed down at the same time. Um, you know, I think maybe my only complaint about Dungeons Dragons is it's very combat heavy. So if that's not your cup of tea, you might want to look at a different uh, engine. But, I mean, the the kind of combat D&D does, it does very well. And it's, it's a system that has been refined throughout the decades. And uh, so as long as you don't mind something where probably a bulk of the adventure is going to be fighting monsters. It is a great system. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, after playing GURPS, I mean, it's the only thing I got to compare it to. And maybe some of those others that we talked about, those Rises and some of the small kind of one-off campaigns we've done. Um, I mean, I'm glad to be getting back into D&D. You know, it's uh, it's so fun. I love making characters. I think I could just sit here and and make characters all day. Like, as soon as I get finished with one, start another one. You know, that's, that's my favorite part, I think, of the game. But anyway, um, you know, tell us more about the, the setting. Because isn't it like kind of like horror? Like a really hard, like a horror setting? Or, I mean, I don't really know much about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the unique thing about Ravenloft is it's gothic horror. So we're no longer dealing with the kind of world where the PCs are, are very powerful and can go around righting wrongs and rescuing damsels from dragons and things like that. Now you're in a world that in a lot of ways is stacked against you. Um, the closest thing I can think of is if you played any of say the Resident Evil or uh, the, uh, what's that other, uh, Silent Hill, that type of thing where you have to be very careful about what you do. If you run in guns a-blazing like you normally would in Dungeons & Dragons, you're not going to last very long. You have to have to really think about what's going on and uh, use your environment to your advantage. Hmm. That doesn't sound very good for me. <laughs> well, the good thing is um, one of the neat optional mechanics in Ravenloft is for low-level characters they can be resurrected by the dark powers that govern this dimmy plane of dread where uh, we'll be adventuring. So they'll be more than happy to bring you back, but like everything, there's a price, and you may come back a little different, but hey, it's all good. You know, just shake off that extra set of arms or fangs or something like that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Well, you want us to get into talking about our characters, or you got anything else you want us to add before that? Optional mechanics. Okay. Okay. So, um, one of the, the themes I kind of like about horror and Ravenloft in general is that of corruption. So, here in the Dimmy Plane of Dread, the powers that run this, they're not just out here to kind of mess with you. They they want your soul. So, if you guys are uh, up for this, what we can do is, in addition to the standard D&D alignment system, we can introduce the concept of corruption. So, there's going to be points in our game where there may be some decisions to be made, and depending on how you make them, if it goes along with the Dark Powers agenda, then you can earn a point of corruption. 
Now, corruption in itself isn't all that bad. You can, uh, being corrupted gets you the favor of the dark powers, and they can bestow blessings in terms of advantages on ability checks, bonuses to hit, to magic, damage reduction, attribute points, things like that. But every time you earn a corruption point, you roll a 2d4. If your roll equals or is greater than the number of corruption points you have, you're fine. However, if you roll under the number of corruption points you get, then the dark powers devour your soul. And your player becomes an empty husk animated by the will of these dark powers. Hmm. I get your character. You might see him again, but he'll be batting for the other team. That is interesting. Yeah, that's a cool twist. So right now everyone starts out, no corruption, you're as pure as the wind-driven snow. Nice, except for Q. (laughs) Yeah. He's dirty. You got that dirty soul. Oh, my guy's lawful good. Oh, those are the most fun to corrupt. Oh. They fall the hardest. Going out to you. Mm-hmm. All right. So do you want to go over the characters now? Yeah, that sounds great. All right, Hugh, I was picking on you. Let's hear about your lawful good guy. Uh, yeah, man, I'm going to be playing a high elf fighter named Baron. Um, kind of to keep it short and sweet, but uh, kind of let y'all in on a little bit of this, but... Essentially, if anyone knows anything about lore, you know, into the High Elves, they are kind of a uppity class, uh, kind of look down upon others, typically don't like to work with or talk to other races. Um, but That kind of bougie. Yes, quite bougie, as we would put nowadays, <laughs> maybe even pompous. <laughs> but uh, Bougie. Kind of wanted to go against the grain a little bit with this guy, and especially with this crew, I actually... Uh, didn't tell you this, but I kind of formed this character as I heard your two stories. I uh, went to thinking I've been wanting to play a fighter. Um, but essentially, my guy is a son of like a um, upper class, even uh, I put down like a noble advisor was his dad. Um, but due to a series of actions that happened, um, I'm not going to go deep into that right now, but he's essentially turned his back on to the class system of the High Elves and uh, kind of started to, to to detest the class system and the kind of pompous nature of his father and kind of went out to set like most um i would say young uh people but it was age of hiles is a funny thing as well but uh he kind of set out to go against his family's name he feels that nobles should be protectors of people and not their judges and so he kind of uh dropped out of the soldier training where he was studying to be a high off night in the royal army you know uh and set out to kind of right some what he feels is wrongs uh, about nobles that they should uh really be protectors and look for the people not be against them uh it kind of fits interestingly in with your characters as i was saying uh, i don't know how we will get into the backstories of our meeting i guess we're going to cover that in a bit but uh Kind of secretly, um, this guy's real purpose is to um, somewhat make a case study or show that all people are worthwhile and equal. And uh, secretly, he finds that uh, proving the worthwhile and and, uh, merits of Tom's character, Beer, is going to be uh, 
as good a case study as any. You know, if he can prove that Beer is a worthwhile person, then, um, you know, it kind of just goes right along in his in his mindset. Now, um, I don't know how you're feeling about this, Tom, really, and how it goes to your character, but I think you talked a lot about your character being somewhat detestable and, uh, you know, not liking elves and that whole backstory, which I hope the listeners listen to the story of yours and uh, Ryan's background. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my guy's like, he grew up as an orphan abandoned by the elves and the humans, you know, because I was the half-elf, so he definitely has some, you know, grew up hating them, but he's kind of, at this point in his life, he's older, and he's kind of sees the world as it is. That's kind of my mantra for this character, is he's very level-headed and it's all about just surviving. It's all about him. You know, he's, I, I went true neutral on him, so he doesn't really care about the law. You know, it's more about being fair, you know, um, and everything just kind of being on an even, you know, keel. So he's going to, he's gonna even if, you know, you're even if he has some past prejudice towards elves, he's probably not going to hold that against you because he's seen all kinds of people and walks of life, and has, he's had a really tough upbringing, so... He's going to um, kind of just see everything as they are. And I think that's one of his – I want that to be kind of his big – you know, he's real charismatic. He's really good at perception and um, persuasion and deception. You know, he's really good with people skills. So he's, you know, he can kind of – he can sum you up, you know, really easily um, or, you know, like first, first glance. So I want him to be real um, savvy in that way. So he's going to see, you know – He's gonna see the person, so I think our that that kind of lines up with you, like trying to prove that point of that I, elves aren't any better than anybody else. So there might be some resentment for sure deep down, yeah. but he's he's kind of past that. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting mix for sure, and uh, I'm sure uh, our good buddy here Phil will use that against us. But you know, sure. talking as we're kind of doing this to demonstrate a new game to someone. Uh, I think to me, secrets are somewhat uh, just a small link between a couple characters is just really, really neat to have when you're developing the story. It doesn't have to, but kind of having those secrets, even though I've divulged to Tom, kind of the true practices guy, obviously he's not going to go to Beer. I mean, Beer wouldn't directly know that um, what his path is, but more so that he's a. Um, a high elf that's out to um, not to be a normal high elf. Sticking it to the man. Sticking it to the man is what he sees. Um, I guess I'll just finish up with my guy. I mean, he's a like I said, half half elf. You, I mean, if y'all listened to it before, nothing's really changed um, from last episode. He's a sorcerer. Um, he's gonna be. He's the dragon blood or dragon. Um, what's it called? Draconic line sorcerer. So he's gonna have like the scales on him and. Um, pretty much it's just his forearms and they have the scales real heavy and then he's got like some claw almost claws for fingers like he still has like regular hands he's not like deformed or anything but he kind of has claws instead of fingers and then um, there's some scales like on his back and chest but at first glance you know you don't really notice a huge he's not like this deformed you know thing that like abomination it's just when you look closer, you realize there's something a little off about him. But um, I'm really excited about the Sorcerer. I think he's going to be real fun to play. Um, but I won't get into much more about it. But other than what I said, he's the true neutral, and he just kind of 
sees the world as it is you know and like as a like think like a trader like um i'm trying to think of somebody trying to think of like a pop culture figure you know character that would relate to him y'all got any ideas from what i've told y'all kind of put us on the spot there tom i think you mentioned meek both from uh the king killer chronicles right yeah, he was definitely a huge inspiration, but Kvoth is totally good, you know, so he's, as far as, like, his personality and his um, alignment and all that, I, I don't think it could be any different than Kvoth, but, but yeah, like, the backstory, um, very, very similar. Um, his, you know, parents were kind of, were murdered by this, like, powerful group, and so that's the same thing that's happened. Um, I don't want to give away too much about the books, but... Um, you know, kind of the same thing winds up growing up on the streets, you know, and the same, like I had a little story about him, you know, up on the roof, you know, living there. That was the same thing from, from, um, the name of the wind, the first book, but yeah, so I definitely had some, you know, heavily, heavy, heavy inspiration there. But as far as the character and his actual personality and alignment, you know, totally different because Kvothe is a true hero, in my opinion, you know, he's going to be, um, very, very good, but this guy's neutral, you know, um, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. I mean I've got if you want to know like statistics because so many people they don't they haven't even played this game you know they don't know what's going on. But he's got like two daggers and um, like light crossbow and he can um, got a lot of you know the sorcerer. That's one thing cool about them is they get a lot of cantrips at the beginning and they've got the sorcery points. I'm really excited about that. It makes me really a, a real flexible caster. I can kind of, um, which not at level one, so I will have to hit level two before I can actually do that. But he can convert, you know, um, spell slots to to sorcery points and back and forth, and so he can power up his spells at the cost of sacrificing a slot or sacrifice his points to get an extra slot. So that's an interesting thing. He's going to be a real versatile caster, and by choosing the dragon. Um, background he's real tough you know he's got like a higher ac from the scales and all and he's got more hp every time he levels up so i was hoping since we don't really we didn't have a tank at the time when you know when i or any kind of to, to speak of you know i was kind of thinking he needed to be a little tougher so i kind of chose the dragon background for that but i'm excited about playing him. his name is beer also b-i-i-r and that is elvish indian d for garbage you know, I don't know if i explained that in the last episode but he's he was called that as a you know, as an orphan because he was, you know, half elf, like an outcast. I, I will go back and say I, I probably didn't. I probably should have said this in it, but um, something that also attracted me to the whole high elf lore and and fighter. As I said, I've always wanted to play one, but I plan on taking this fighter down the road of uh, the Eldritch Knights, which are technically they also have some basic spell casting, mostly in the form of buffing, debuffing. Um, but not really a true tank, but he will have a higher AC class. He's more of a duelist um, swordsman, but um, it's kind of interesting there as well. I didn't really put that into it. Yeah, I'm getting excited about this. I'm really excited about playing the sorcerer. Talking about the characters always uh, gets me pumped because that's a big part of D&D is kind of molding that character and going in thinking about what he's going to be proficient and, you know... um, I think y'all you should do an episode in the future really highlighting building a character. It's just an idea that come up just now. Well, we tried that and it turned out being real boring, so we did what we did last last time. <laughs> but <laughs> gotcha. All right. All right, Ryan, let's hear about this rock star. All right. So, I'm playing a human bard. 
Um, name is Lincoln Liffenstein. He is from a very wealthy family, distant royal bloodline. And at a young age, uh, you know, we had, they had some musicians come to the, to the estate and he just really fell in love with music and, and instruments. And he picked up the lute and the, and the harp and any instrument he could find and just taught himself how to perform. And he pretty much became a performer, even though his parents tried to tell him not to try to get him to do other, other things. Cause it's not the way of, you know, royalty to be performing for people. So he, they, he kind of, uh, he didn't really get banished or kicked out, but he, he left on his own. He doesn't really have his heritage to fall back on or, you know, he, he's not, he's not an heir of the estate anymore. So he's kind of, uh, kind of abandoned his, almost his name to go perform out in the world to give people entertainment. And that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much his story. You know, he's, uh, he like he you know, he just likes to entertain and he enjoys people. So we'll see what happens. All right, and we have a loose little small backstory of how we met. I'm gonna go over that if that's cool, Hugh. I mean, um, Phil. Yeah, please. So something like Hugh was um or Hugh's character uh Varen was in a tavern. I guess we were all there and um trying to get these names Lincoln so Ryan's character was probably performing at the time so we decided and um oh I was performing I was rocking the show you're rocking the house and on the loot or was it the harp which was it I was I I think I think I was rocking the harp because I was probably trying to woo a a barmaid with one of my love songs while while all this was going on nice so apparently there were some high elves there and something to do with Hugh's backstory about him wearing his colors, like your crest yeah, or something. Yeah, as I was saying, I'm kind of trying to shame the family name and going against the noble. So I kind of boisterously wear around family crest and uh, kind of tr- are in the act of trying to bring shame to my family. Um, and kind of a group of fellow soldiers from the academy I left kind of whooped up on me pretty good but i guess um i came to the rescue a little bit just hoping i could get something out of the deal um you know he seemed like a rich elf and so that was my thoughts was my character maybe jumped in and helped him in some way expecting to get a reward out of it um not because he liked him or anything because you know he's probably a sleazebag but um (laughs) and then i guess somehow we we met up with uh, barred after that, right? I think uh, I would say Lincoln was still performing while the fight was going on because you, you know a good performer never stops. And when his set was over with, he he went over bought bought them some drinks because um because they had a rough a rough time. He saw that Varian was getting bullied by those other people, and he just wanted to uh to let them know that they were accepted, you know. And he started he just bought them drinks for the rest of the night, and they all we all hung out. Okay, and so we're gonna fast forward, I guess. Well, we'll flip it over. We give everything to you, Phil, at this point. But are, do you want us to have became somewhat friends after that, or just more we've met? At, at least acquaintances enough that you are comfortable enough saying that uh, let's blow that little town and that little inn in 
let's give it a name. Uh, I don't know, Redwall. You say Redwall? Yeah. Sounds good to me. All right, so we're traveling together, though. Yeah, you're traveling together. You've, you know, it, it's it's still wild country. There's safety in numbers. So let's let's say you're setting out from there, and uh, you're traveling towards uh, a larger town, larger city, with more opportunities for music and arts and patronage and adventure and learning tales and telling tales. The city of Falan. Do we need to be making notes of all this? Well, th- there's not going to be a test. <laughs> so let's set the stage it's autumn you're going down the road on horseback i'll be nice and give you horses nice yes it's late autumn the leaves are crimson there's a wind with a little bit of a nip in it making things nice and brisk at the rate that you're traveling you should be making the breezy badger in in Philan around nightfall. After a couple of days in the road, you're looking forward to some nice warm meals, baths, and some soft beds. And you guys are passing the time, I don't know, telling stories, tall tales, singing a little bit. Sound about right? Sure. Yeah, certainly does. So as you're going along, the weather starts turning. It starts getting overcast. It starts drizzling a little bit. Visibility starts going down, gets a little foggy. And as you're going through the fog, things start to change a little bit. It becomes thicker and colder. The fog wraps around you and it wiggles up between your clothes and your armor. Kind of feels like, I don't know, little worms almost are just wriggling in there. Makes you feel kind of slimy and dirty. Sound starts getting muffled, so instead of hearing ringing hoofbeats, it's just kind of dull thuds. And you look around, and you can make out vague outlines of each other, but that's about it. You keep on pressing on, and breathing also gets harder. It starts feeling kind of like you're breathing through like a wet scarf just wrapped around your head. The horses, you can tell they're a little little unhappy about this, a little spooked, but you're able to keep them going in the right direction. You're not getting turned around. At least you think you're not getting turned around. And just when you think you can't stand it anymore, you make it through the mist. Okay. I'm not liking this, guys. <laughs> it's getting freaky already. Well, you're still on the road. Don't don't worry, you're still on the road. Okay. You're still in the forest. The only weird thing is it's a lot later than you thought it would be. So when you when when we started it was about mid afternoon. But now it's getting close near twilight it looks like or near dusk it looks like. And you figured you'd be at Flannan at the end by now. But you're not. So first choice of the evening. So would you like to press on and go to that inn? Or do you think it'd be better just to make camp? You see there's a clearing a little ways off the road, a little ways ahead, so you could make camp there if you wanted to and uh, get some rest and then get something to eat and strike out in the morning. So there's no no sight of this town? Not yet. But and you're still on the road. But like, it's not just that it's dark. It's We actually can tell time has passed. We can see the sun setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, twilight. So we had like a we had like a time lapse, you know, um, 
phenomena like we experience that it's not like we just lost track of time like we recognize that is what i'm asking and it feel it doesn't okay. feel as late as it looks like it is yeah it still looks like autumn it doesn't look like you're in the mountains or the desert someplace different now does the weather look good nice it's it's back to being kind of cold and crisp like it was before the fog yeah well i think i say if, if the weather's nice i mean just camp out yeah that's what i was gonna say i think you know I'm worried about it being dangerous. Beer would be very um, cautious. And so I would rather, you know, have a perimeter and Mm -hmm. set up a camp off the road than be on the road at night for bandits and stuff like that. What say you, Varen? Well, I would say coming from the family and kind of the uh, higher class that I was with, I'm less inclined to really see fear into this. So... Uh, I'm fine with camping and kind of used to having my back being watched, so... Okay. Okay. We're going to camp out. Okay. We're camping. Okay. So, you know, the clearing looks kind of nice. There's even a, a, a ring there that you can use to build your fire in, so very soon you have a nice cheery fire going. You have some of your trail rations, which, yeah, tasty, not as good as what you can get in the end, but they're satisfying. And then it's it's time to go to sleep so are you guys going to set a watch or can i just do like a perception check around the sure camp? okay just want to see if anything looks out of the ordinary like you know mostly just for safety purposes that's uh 15 okay so the camp looks pretty normal it looks like you can definitely see signs that people have used it before but uh nothing out of the ordinary so I don't want to be a stickler for rules here, but this kind of sets the stage on how, at what level we're playing. Um, technically, by being the high elf and studying my class, um, the high elves do not typically have to sleep. They typically meditate, but I'm going to say he's at rest and pretty much is sleeping. But uh, that kind of sets the stage on what level of... Uh, style you're wanting you're going for here phil i'll kind of go along with what you're what you what you think is best if uh varen would like he can he can meditate well i think elves sleep if they want to they just don't require it as much right like they can just go f- longer i mean they might sleep less. Like, what four hours of sleep or something yeah meditating yeah four hours of meditating is like a full night's sleep is what it says but okay. yeah I will allow him the rest. I was just kind of bringing to light here, depending on how deep you want to play D&D, as far as like in weights and gold and stuff like that. Uh, also sleep and food is a big part of some people's games. I'm not the type of person who really wants the rules to get in the way of a good story. Okay. So, Agreed. So, you know, for me, as long as we're, we're having fun and enjoying ourselves, let's let's just go that way. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Absolutely. I agree. Well, I'll I'll take first watch. All right. So we have Beer being first, who is second and who's third. I'll be I'll be second. Well, I'm gonna sleep in. <laughs> All right. So Beer's first, Lincoln's second. Did I get that right? And Varen is third? Yep. Yes. Yeah. And not that it matters, but I would probably just again, like I'm such a loner, you know, take care of myself. I'm I'm gonna kind of set up my first watch, you know, a decent distance away from the camp where I can kind of see the road and the camp. Okay, so it's it's quiet. 
it's uh, a little weird. You're not really hearing a lot of sound at all. Um, so even the, the normal night sounds seem to be pretty quiet. Okay. Your your watch goes pretty uneventfully. Now, are you going to, when it's your turn to uh, go to sleep, are you going to make your bedroll next to the others, or are you also going to be off a little ways? Um, no, I think if somebody's keeping watch, I would probably sleep near the camp. But um, Also, I have dark vision, but that doesn't matter um, if my watch is over. But, um, so yeah, I guess I'm going to go get the bard, wake up Lincoln, tell him it's his turn. Okay. Well, okay. you're up Lincoln. I guess you're, no, I don't want to, I don't want to get up. I don't want to get up. I don't want to do it. <laughs> oh, fine. I'll do it. No, no, I, then I kind of like grudgingly get out of my, my bed roll. I'm a little upset. A little upset about it, but I'm doing it. All right. You're a good man. I guess you're Good kind man. of sitting by the fire, playing your your lutes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick scan around the uh, area with the pers- with my perception. Okay. <laughs> of a twenty, and that's gonna be a twenty. Wow. Well, in that case, you find all the hidden monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I quietly I get it. up and walk away. Just leave us. And try to get out of there. I mean, it, it seems pretty normal. Uh, not okay. much is going on. A little boring. You know, you're, you're fighting drowsiness. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I'm just kind of sitting there playing on my, my harp a little bit, doing a light, very light melody on my, on my harp. You hear a sound from the horses. Kind of a what? a wicker type sound. I'm I can't make horses horse sounds so, but kind of a yeah. horse kind of coming waking up and like a, like a startled yeah uh-huh. like a startled sound. Okay, okay. And then you you hear it from the other I, horses uh, too. I go I nudge Varen I, uh, I nudge Varen to wake him up. And I'm like, what? Say, hey man, those horses those horses are making some funny noises. Will you come check it out with me? I'll, yeah, I'd kind of begrudgingly get up as well, I guess. No, I'm, I, I wake uh, Varen up like, hey man, it's, uh, these horses are making some weird noises. I think something may have started them or there's something around them. I mean, we just, let's just, I think it's better if we check this out together and not just, just one of us by ourselves. I would probably give you a little bit of a hard time about being scared or something on the way down to the horses. Just not really taking it very seriously. So you you make it to the horses and you see that they definitely are looking agitated. Their ears are swiveling around like they're listening for something. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm interested. Yeah, I say I like I like elbow there, and I'm like, see, I, I told you this. I mean, something's going on. Get closer. Go check it out. <laughs> uh, I'll give him a kind of funny look, and yeah, I want to uh, give a. I guess I will go forward <laughs> a couple steps towards them. <laughs> Let me see. Y'all hear me snoring in the distance. Oh, yeah, we haven't woke him. Yeah, don't worry. Hey, we'll get him if we need him. I rolled a five on perception. So, near as you can tell, it's it's uh, beer snoring that's uh, agitating the horses. Mm, okay, well, let's go... Let's go... Make stop making them stop snoring. That's, that's probably what's causing it. 
then I walk back and I kind of like nudge beer and I'm like, Hey man, will you please stop snoring? You're agitating the horses. They're getting really agitated over there. Okay. Um, I'm up. I'm a very light sleeper. So probably as soon as you walked up, I was back up. Cause again, I'm the super, I don't sleep very well, you know, always on edge. Right. So I think I would probably get up and I don't know, maybe I would feel like there's something going on here. So I don't think it was me snoring. I don't know. I mean, you were just the only one making noises out here. I don't snore. What are you talking about? If you say so. There was definitely a rumbling coming from that direction. Yeah. And you can like still hear the horses making making anxious sounds. Hmm. Okay, well maybe it wasn't you. Let's go I wanna let's I say we uh I say we go check this out. Let's go check it out. Beer, go check that out. I'll be I'll be right behind you. Alright, I'm at the horses. I'm looking around. You see you see what uh, Darren and Lincoln saw earlier. The horses now they're they're looking a little bit more nervous, and they're they're looking around, and you can see their eyes darting about, and their ears are twitching and pointing like they're trying to trying to pick up a sound and pinpoint where it's coming from. Do I hear anything? Why don't you make a uh, perception check? Hopefully you'll you'll do better than uh, Varen did. Got a twelve. There we go. And now, now you're starting to hear it too, kind of some rustling in the the undergrowth a little ways away from your camp. How far, roughly? We'll say good 20, 25 yards, just kind of at the, the edge of your hearing. But hmm. And it, it sounds like it's very diffuse. It's not just coming from one direction. Hmm. Okay. So I'm assuming, I've been out on my own a lot, so... This would this is something that I've never encountered, right? This is out of the ordinary, I'm assuming. Um, I, I don't know. It depends on how um, how far deep into the wildlands I guess you've been by yourself. Mm, yeah, not that much. I'm more of a city guy, but I mean, I travel these roads a lot. I would think trading because that's kind of what he does. But um, so there is is there any distinct noises that we can hear? Just shuffling. Not shuffling so much as rustling, like something is stalking you through the br- the brush, and it sounds like it's getting closer. I I think in in canon, I think my character would would uh, command, would call out and uh, command that it make itself known. Okay, well, if he's doing that, I'm gonna immediately climb a tree <laughs> <laughs> and try to be so in ready. So my most noble in my most noble high elf tone i would say show thyself <laughs> i think i think now this this should be like maybe an, an intimidate type of uh action oh great yeah i'm not very intimidating we will give it a shot 12 so so at least you know your voice doesn't crack or anything like that yeah kind of moderately intimidating <laughs> and the rustling noise stops but no one comes out. Yeah, I guess... I think you scared him. I was thinking it was more like animals or something. Does anybody got to have like a light on them that we can light the area? Or maybe a um, spell? Yeah, I can... Um, yeah. I mean, I can cast a firebolt just right at the bushes. Just try to... Oh, I don't know. That's, a, that's the only way I can light up the area, you know? Yeah, let's have a forest <laughs> fire. I mean, two of you have dark vision anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, I can. I'd be, I should be able to see these bushes. I got 60 feet. <clears throat> Of vision, it should be. It says, oh yeah, I can't see anything. It says I should see it as a bright light, or unless it's complete darkness, then it would be a dim light. Yeah. 
that uh, I mean, do I see anything with that perception check? Or I just heard the stuff? You heard it. I guess I'm just gonna, um, I want to try to sneak towards it, kind of stealth over to it, to the bushes. I don't want to alert them that I'm coming that direction, even though Dumbledore already yelled out at it. <laughs> <laughs> you shall not pass. So, would that be like just a stealth check, or what would I do if I wanted to? Be stealth. Okay. Since I'm up in the tree, I was serious about that. Is it is it thick enough for me to like stealthily go from tree to tree? No, I don't, I don't think it's quite like that. Okay, I'm just going to do a stealth check. So, 13. Okay. I guess I just want to get as close as I can without, you know, while all the while trying to see if I notice anything, you know. Well, you're not quite ghosting through, but you're making not a whole lot of sound as you're walking through the brush. And you're you're approaching one of the spots that you uh, heard some of the noises coming from. Because remember, it, it was kind of a spread out. Right, right. And you step on a twig. Uh-oh. Oh. Crack. Well, then I say, hey, beer, be careful. In the bushes, you see golden eyes blinking at you. Maybe not gold, maybe more of a sallow yellow. About maybe, maybe 15 feet away now. Okay. Would I recognize what the eyes were? Uh, why don't you give me a survival check? City boy. <laughs> Seven, yeah. Mm. You you see yellow eyes staring at you and blinking. Okay. Um, the um, moonlight shines through some of the clouds, and you see a tongue and some teeth. Pointy teeth. Sounds unpleasant. It looks like a wolf. Oh, okay. What you gonna do? And it starts patting towards you with its head down and its ears back, and you suddenly hear rustling in the bushes around, well, you in particular, but also the other two of you. And it sounds like it's coming in almost a semicircle. How close is the nearest tree? Uh-oh. <laughs> mm. The nearest tree. Jeez. For real? I think at this point I would be readying, readying my sword. Do we have our equipment on this? Yeah, I would like to... Um, yeah, I'll pull out my rapier. I'd like to try to jump up into the tree. Or whatever get into the tree as quick as possible all right so uh let's let's have a i think there's a climb skill right um acrobatics Ath athletic i think okay yeah we can do acrobatics this would be ath acrobatics or athletics so. yeah athletics is strength that's more like running real fast i think and you know you also have horses quit looking at my my sheet <laughs> i'm gonna do that I got a 22. Okay, yeah, so you were up that tree like a squirrel. I did I did somersaults up there. <laughs> All the judges, including the West German judge, or East German judge, who usually gives people just like a two, yeah. they give you tens. <laughs> oh, I love your comments. Nice. Okay, so so we hadn't like broke out in combat, right? I just see them approaching me. Right, and, and from your vantage point, you can see that uh, your wolfy friend is not alone. There's at least a dozen. Oh, my God. Them closing in on the three of you. So, hmm. I think what I would do. That's a lot. Okay, first I feel off. Like that's a lot. So, I'm gonna. I think I'm just gonna try to um, yell out to warn them because they have no idea at this point, right? I'm far enough away. Yeah, they just saw you just run up the tree. Okay. I'm gonna calmly call out to them wolves. <laughs> just where they can hear me say wolves. Wolves? 
Where at? I don't see any wolves. The horses are looking very panicked now, and they might look like they might, if they're not reassured, break and start running for it. Well, I think I'm too far away from the horses to help with that. This is what I'm going to do. There's, a, you, there, there's multiple wolves. I'm going to jump on a horse. I'm going to ride over to the tree, and I'm going to yell for Beer to jump down on the horse. And I'm going to suggest Varen gets on a horse as well. And we just, we get out of here. Okay, so you're going to need to try to calm down a spooked horse and... Oh, oh, I got it. Let, let's see a little bit of animal handling here. Yeah, that's what to say. Ba-boom! Okay. That should do it. So, yeah, you definitely succeed. I love animals. It's it's still antsy. Still, yeah, still kind of fighting me a little bit. Yeah. And you, yeah. you take it and the other horse over to the tree. Yeah, and I'm, I'm yelling for Beer to jump down yeah. so we can ride out. I'll jump down. Do I need to do another acrobatics? Or? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 18. 18. Oh, man. Yeah. Perfect landing, and you avoid the pommel. Nice. <laughs> That's always a good thing. Nice. And I'll yell for Varen to, Varen to hurry up. Yeah, I guess I'll take off towards the horse, though. I'm really upset we didn't stand and fight. What are you talking about? You wouldn't even know what you're talking about. You want to fight? The tactful retreat. Is not my game. That's not your game. Getting devoured by a dozen wolves is not my game. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, you can stay and fight, and you know we'll back you up on the top of the horse. I head towards the last remaining horse, and hope that I can catch and tame him. You want to see what ha- animal handling as well? I think that would be in order here. Oh, fifteen. Okay, that's good enough for you to right. to mount and right. have. Calm your horse down. Okay. I mean, are the wolves like? Are they coming like, like really coming towards us now, or do we do we have time to snatch our stuff from the camp? They're still stalking you. They haven't okay. they haven't rushed at you yet, but they're still stalking steadily in your direction. I say we get our stuff and ride out as quick as we can. All right. So you you race back for the road, and once you get to the road, you you start going at a fast pace toward Falam. And as you start to pull away, the wolves go from stalking you to giving chase in earnest. I yell back at Varen, you still want to fight these anim- these animals? And I say, you're, you're darn right, and I want to do my best at pulling a dart and throwing a dart behind what? me. What? I have darts, <laughs> man. Okay. Tell me what I got to roll to do this impressive action. I want to hit a the dart? closest one with a dart. That's my range. I have what, twenty dart. Like a dart, like in a in a bar that you throw at a dart board. I, I think it's a little different than that, uh, Tom. But for your imagery, we can we can we can think of it okay. as that if you'd like to with the fins. I like that. All right. So let me go ahead and start writing down initiatives here. I'm going to divide up the wolves into groups of three, just for or excuse me, groups of four for easy bookkeeping here. So we've got ah, 20, that's good. Actually, what I was wanting to do is I was wanting to shoot a fireball at them just to kind of scare them away, like to keep them from cutting their chase off, you know. That's my goal here, but we can go ahead, whatever you need to do. All right, and so for the wolves, we have a 9, a 13, and a 12. So we'll have beer. Some wolves, then we'll have Varen, and then some wolves, and then we'll have 
Wolves. And then finally we'll have Lincoln. <clears throat> now I plan Bring on I'm playing a a song on my loot that's appropriate for the situation of being chased by wolves on a horseback. Tell me it's the Lone Ranger song. What is that song? The William Tell Overture? The Williams Yes. <laughs> Tell me that's it. Yeah. That's exactly what it All is. Alright, so I'm up first. Yes. So I'll start scratching my um little claw fingers together. And I get ready, and I'm going to throw a fireball um, right at the feet, you know, trying to make it hit as many at one time. All right, maybe it's just single target, actually. I think it's single target. It is fireball. Firebolt. Yeah, so I'm going to um, – so I'm just going to aim at the closest wolf, the one that I perceive to be the biggest threat, you know, the most immediate threat. All right. And i got 120 feet range. I don't know how far they are. But. They're, they're more like about 30 feet. So that is a 10. Okay, so that misses. Okay. What well, is it? At least hit the ground? <laughs> it hits the ground. You, you see some pretty pretty splashes of fire among the, the dirt on the trail, but uh, yeah, nothing nothing catches fire and the wolves keep on going. Okay, I guess that's me. All right. So first group of wolves, and we will say that this is... Beer's group, they're going to try to close the distance with you. Okay. So I'm thinking this is kind of an opposed roles of their, uh, uh, I guess, strength in this case versus your animal handling. So if uh, you do better, you pull ahead. If they do better, they close the gap. So all of us roll up? Just, just the two of you this time. So they rolled an eight. Who, who is it? Uh, so Beer... And then this one wolf pack of four wolves. Oh, okay. Um, so animal handling? Five. <laughs> okay, so so they rolled an eight. So they're they're now closer to you. Okay. All right. Farron. You gonna try to throw that dart? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here it goes. Twenty one. Very good. Yep. Okay, that that whacks one of the wolves on the side. And what are those two? 1d4? 1d4 piercing. Yes. Four. That's pretty good. One of the wolves in the pack is... He definitely stumbled and is falling behind. You hurt him pretty badly. I kind of give a thumbs up over towards uh, the hater, Ryan uh, Lincoln. You know, I give him a thumbs up back with a big smile. Okay. And then we'll have a wolf pack, and it's going to go after Varen. So we're going to do the same thing here. It's going to try to close the gap with you. So it's going to be its roll versus your animal handling. All right. Okay, yeah. 19 plus 1, so 20. And it rolled a 17 plus 1 for 18. So, uh... Yeah, you are pulling away now from the wolves, especially because one of them is uh, injured and having trouble keeping up. So you're even seeing your pack kind of spread out a little bit. You've got three and then one that's straggling behind, but you're, you're definitely leaving it in the dust. That also means, of course, you're uh, leaving uh, your friends in the dust a little bit. Well, I can't do everything. Then the third wolf pack, it's going to see if it can close with Lincoln. 
They rolled a 17 plus 1 for 18. Oh, man. Barely beat me. Well, how close are they? At this point, they're about, say, 15, 20 feet. I, got, I may just have the, the perfect spell. What are you trying to look up? Thunder Wave. Okay, it's a 15-foot cube. So, will they be in range? Will they be in, rough, in range? They, they'd be in range. Okay, so... So, explain to everybody what Thunder Wave does. Sends out a wave of thunder. Yep. A wave of thunderous force sweeps out from you. Each creature in a 15-foot cube originating from you must make a constitution saving throw. On a failed save, a creature takes 2d8 thunder damage and is pushed 10 feet away from you. On a success save, the creature takes half damage and isn't pushed. Okay. That sounds like a good one. Now, will this also affect your friends? Probably. It matters where they're at, because I'm going to a cube, a 15-foot cube, like, towards the wolves. So, if there's anybody behind them... No, it actually radiates around you, so it's, like, seven and a half feet in every direction. That's the way I understand it. No, I think it's a cube in the direction you're facing. But no, it's a 15-foot cube originating from you. So... That, that makes it right. sound like it's kind of all directions from you. Right, that's what I thought it was. Uh, but the question is, is it 15 feet away from you or seven and a half? Would you say that you you two guys are... I don't know. I mean, I don't know where we were when we were grabbing. I, I could see, you know, uh, especially Varen, since he was able to kind of pull away. He he could be outside that, yeah. but maybe Beer might be inside that range. Gotcha, gotcha. Take it from somebody that knows. That's a great attack, but... It only has limited windows. Yeah, I'm going to just do Vicious Mockery on one of the wolves. That's what I'm going to do. What does that one do? That is one where... Let me look it up real quick. He's going to make fun of the wolves. Yes. I am going to make fun of one of the wolves. It's a single attack target. I had it all... I had it... I just had it with... You know, just had it in my book, but then I lost it. Yeah, it's psychic damage. It's... uh... They do a wisdom saving throw. Does it have to understand you? Um, though it need not understand you. It says that in parentheses right here. <laughs> it does have to hear you, though. Yeah, it's going to be able to hear. It's just psychic damage. So what are you saying to the wolf? I'm very curious here. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Are, are you, like, growling at the wolf? Or are you going to say that, you know, your your father was a Laza Opso? Like, what big eyes you have. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm gonna say I've seen I've seen bigger fangs on a puppy, <laughs> and then bam, and then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna attack him. This has a saving throw. He said like an intelligence saving throw. Wisdom saving throw, and if they fail it, it's one d4 psychic damage. Okay. And they have disadvantage on the next attack roll. Yeah, it failed at savings throw, so one d4 damage. So would you like to roll for damage? Oh. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. And that's how it's done, fellas. Right, and it gets disadvantage on its next action. And we'll, yep. we'll we'll extend that to the kind of the whole wolf back. So, so when it's that whole wolf pack's turn, it it the, we'll just say the whole group gets disadvantage just to make it easy. Okay, yeah, they're like one unit almost. Yeah, back uh, to the top of the order. So, are you going to try to attack again, or try to get away, or? Yeah, I'm casting a spell, first level slot. I'm casting sleep. Mm. Oh. I roll a 5d8. There's no save. There's no hit. It just happens. I roll a 5d8. 
All right, so I have 28. I rolled 28, so I've got 28 health points. And starting with the creature, uh, I can attack anybody within um, 90 feet of me. Okay, and we can kind of view these as like two hit die creatures. No, that's wrong. It's um, 20 feet at a point where I choose from 90 feet away. So, so I want to choose the center of the wolf pack, of course. The one that's after you or the one that's after one of the others? Yeah, after me, <laughs> of course. Um, so, I mean, if we were that close, though, are they that close? Was his pack close enough from like 20 feet away from my pack? You know, I, th- I think I think you could affect one other pack. So, yeah, so I guess the, the two closest, you know, mine and the one near Ryan, because if the Thunder Wave is going to hit me, then I would assume I'd be able to hit the other pack. So, um, starting with the creature um, with the least amount of health that has to affect the one that has the least total amount of health left. And if it has less than 28, then he goes to sleep. He goes unconscious immediately, and you just keep taking it off. I can hit as many creatures as I have hit points for. Okay, so that's 28. But I have to have the full amount. So, like, if I've got three left and he's got four health or whatever, then it won't put him to sleep, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Just make Phil do a little math here. Yeah, this isn't fair. Okay, so you you put the the injured wolf and two other wolves to sleep. Okay. So there's... There's one wolf left in in your wolf pack, or excuse me, in uh, let's see here. Well, I'd like to hit my the one closer to me if I could. That's right. So, okay, in that case, you put two wolves to sleep in your wolf pack. Okay. So the one that was injured was in his pack, I guess. Yeah, the one that was injured was in in Varen's okay. pack. Cool. So they go they they immediately go unconscious for one minute. That's how that works. So, and they can't be awakened unless somebody slaps them or something. Or they take damage, you know, if somebody else does damage to them. Yeah, so you, you see two wolves basically just start staggering, and they immediately collapse and, and fall and kind of dig a little into the dirt as their momentum just kind of plows them into the ground. But the other two wolves in the pack, they take no notice, and they keep on running after you. All right. That was a good move. Thank you. All right. The next set of wolves, the, the two remaining in your wolf pack, they're going to try to close the gap again. And if they can close, this time they'll be within attacking range. Let's see what we can do okay. here. <clears throat> and they get a four. Well, I got a five. <laughs> okay, so you pull away. Nice. I got the horse with the limp leg or something. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Just can't control that horse. Just barely. Yes, you must be wild. All right. Must be a wild stallion. Oh. <laughs> Farron, you're up now. So... Of the three wolves pursuing you, the one that was injured got put to sleep, but you still have three perfectly healthy, very hungry, and very foul-tempered wolves that have closed with you. So are you going to try to attack again, or are you going to try to pull away? I am going to pull the only little bit of a trick I can and say that I'm going to just throw my cantrip, which is True Strike, and I'm going to assume this works with ranged as well, but it basically just lets me gain advantage on my next attack. So I'm going to bypass a turn just to really size up and maybe close one eye and squint and really focus in on this next dart that's coming my next turn. Okay. Now, you have to extend your hand and point that's a finger at the target. Yes. That's what it says. I'm, I'm leading. Okay. Well, my left hand. I'm right-handed, so I'm holding the dart back in my right, which I did confirm is like a javelin. It's small, a thicker-bodied arrow. Like a long dart. Let me make sure of this. You're pointing with your left hand yeah, and drawing man. back with your right hand. 
Yeah. Well, who's driving this horse? I'm like the Native Americans. <laughs> I can ride like they did with bow and arrows. Well, you know what? I, th- I think maybe the fair thing to do in this case would be that uh, there's going to be a little bit of a penalty to... Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, that's what he's going to say. There's a rock in the road now, of course. Well, I don't think it'd be like that, but I think that, you know, when it's the wolf's turn to try to close, that, that yeah. you'll take a little bit of a, a hit to your animal handling role. Sounds great, Phil. I, I'm really, I really like where you're going with this. Because he's not even using the well, reins. Yeah, you're supposed to kind of <laughs> be hard to hold on with your knees, too, and use your knees to control the horse, too. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm picturing Absolutely. you turning around completely backwards, facing, like, you know, riding he's, reverse. No, he's not backwards. No. He's not backwards. He just drew back and turned to the side. Okay, just making sure. Um, all right, so I'll roll... Um, guess we're moving on to the wolf's turns, and I'll roll animal handling. Okay, and let's... Uh, pretty weak one. Let's see what they do here. And they got a 17, so they have closed with you, and so they're now in range that on their next turn, they could actually attack you or the horse. Mm. Wow, they really caught up with me, because I thought I was one space ahead, but sure. Oh, good. that's right, yeah, we're excuse good. me, I, I can't read my notes. You were one space ahead, so, yeah. My bad. So, so you've you've lost that gain that you had. Are we anywhere close to the town? <laughs> By now, we've been riding hard for a while. Well, you know, a round's just six seconds. Yeah, so it ain't even been thirty seconds, man. We can still see the camp. <laughs> it feels like a lot to me. I'm sweating. All right, so now the wolf pack, which has one injured wolf and then two perfectly healthy wolves, we'll see if they can close with Lincoln. And now I'm reading my notes right. So they, they, on the last turn, made us in the distance. And so if they yep. come closer again, then they'll be within striking distance. So here's what they do. Oh. And they got a critical oh. failure. I need a okay. new D20. Because I rolled a 10. So that's yeah. perfect. Okay, so they're also back to where they were before. And Lincoln, it's your turn. Are you going to taunt at them again? You know what? <sighs> Let me see what I got. Oh, yeah, they also had disadvantage, but I mean, why bother re-rolling if they got a one? Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's no really no point. So... Now, you could also just go ahead and, and try to increase the distance between the two of you. I'm going to do this. So, one of the wolves that... the One, one of the wolves I didn't hit last time... Mm-hmm. I'm going to do Tasha's Hideous Laughter on, like a, like a very healthy wolf. Okay. And they have to make a wisdom saving throw, or they fall prone, becoming incapacitated and unable to stand up for the duration of roughly a minute. Oh, no, that's a smart one. Now, the creature has to have an intelligence of four or better. Or no, five or better, actually, because they're actually going to be laughing. I don't think a wolf can laugh. No, maybe he was hyena, but uh, yeah, wolves only have intelligence of three. It says a creature with intelligence of four or less is not affected. Same team, Tom. Same team. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Just same team. Okay. So. Just reading it. I'm not going to do that. Okay, so I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna try to pass. I'm just gonna try to make some distance and get to the get to the town quickly. Okay. I was just trying to picture these wolves falling down and laughing. <laughs> I was like, wait. Well, maybe this were a Disney film. I rolled a seven. We'll say that they still have disadvantage. And so um, they got a five. 
So nice, because it is the end of my next turn. So this would be the disadvantage after my turns over with. All right. So, so it looks like you guys are doing a good job holding your own against the wolves. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty far ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you now have extra space, while uh, Beer and uh, Varen are kind of back to where they had started initially when this chase began. And Varen, since you're especially turned, turned backwards and looking, you see that uh, another creature has entered. The chase. Whoa. Whoa. And okay. this okay. this one is not a wolf. Not exactly. It's much larger with reddish brown fur and red eyes and a long lolling tongue. It's a dire wolf. Oh my goodness. Bigger and meaner. At least there's only one of it. But it's easily looping along. And you can tell that while the the wolves are running about as fast as they can to catch up with you, it's not running at top speed yet. It's just passing all. I mean, it's catching up pretty quickly. No, it's it's not catching up yet. It's it's staying behind the other wolves for now. Okay. Kind of like it's letting the wolves be be hounds that are hunting you, and it's the hunter. Yeah. You still wish you had stayed and fought, Baron? <laughs> I yell out. <laughs> yes, because I think <laughs> I still think I could have dispatched these on foot. Now there's something else too. You're you're seeing up ahead. Um, in, in the moonlight, it looks like there's you're coming up on a building. Oh, thank goodness. It's not the city of Philam, but you're seeing that as you're, as you're coming up, it's a farmhouse that's a little offset from the road, but you can see that there's the windows are shuttered. There's light, lamplight, kind of shining out from around the shutters. And more importantly, there's a nice wall around the farmhouse and a gate, which is slightly ajar. We have to go to that farmhouse. I yell. Uh, I'm, I'm yelling out. Okay, so you you change your bearing, and you're kind of now leaving the road and onto the path, r- uh, running to the farmhouse. Apparently, got to get to that farmhouse. Let's fast forward things a little bit because, at this point, even if the wolves close with you, they're not going to get close enough to do any kind of damage to you. So let's say that you you make it to the the gate, and the wolves are at your heels. But you make it through the gate. The gate's still open. What are you going to do? I'm going to tell Varen to get up, get off the horse and close that gate. I'm going to say yes, I agree, Varen, close that gate. You're the only one strong enough. I'm going to do it in the back of my head. I'm wondering why these guys think I'm so strong. Because you're the warrior, you're the fighter. Oh, wait, you said that in the back of your head. I forget. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to let you guys in, but uh, you might want to know I'm not a strong warrior. I'm a dexterous warrior. So, are you gonna talk, or yeah, you gonna close no, the? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to slide off the horse and slam the door and drop whatever bar and do whatever you tell me. Well, you, you find that the the gate's a little rusty and a little hard to move. Oh, jeez. You're gonna have to put no. put some shoulder into it or maybe get some help. Okay, I'm gonna do my best. What role are we? Have you closed that gate yet, Baron? Please hurry up. Looks like we have a manager in the making here. Please. So how about a strength check? Oh, okay. Strength. All right. Same thing. Okay, yes. So a 16 is enough. So you you really grunt and push into it and slam into it. And just as some of the wolves start getting to the the gate, you slam it with a clang. I'm really filling my oats today. Good job. And I breathe a little sigh of relief again because... 
I am not that strong of a warrior. <laughs> when I start playing, there goes my hero. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> you see a couple of wolves sitting outside almost like sentries while the rest of them kind of melt away into the darkness. And I'm going to... I want to alert the group to see what's in what we're in with. What's in this town? What's in this house? Yeah, let's see. I'm going to do... Oh, and one yeah. final thing. If if you look through the gate, way back of the road, you still see a couple of red eyes looking at you. Oh, is that the dire wolf with the red eyes? Is that who had the red? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the others were all kind of yellow. I'm gonna do a perception check while I'm, I'm gonna while he's closing the gate and everything. I I want to be looking around the house or looking around the area with perception. Okay. Oh my goodness! I rolled a seven. You see this house. And there's there's a wall. <laughs> hey guys, we're we made it to the house. <laughs> there's grass. The horses yeah, seem a lot more relaxed now. They're they're definitely panting for breath, but uh, they they don't feel like uh, they're uh, in in immediate danger anymore. Yeah, nice. And then there are these two guys with you. You notice them too. Mm-hmm. The, the other two people in your party. Oh, okay. <laughs> Letting you know what you, you get with a, a low roll like that. I thought he meant two other people, yeah. Yeah, I got you. All right, so we're at a farmhouse. Is that what's going on? Yeah, we're at a farmhouse. Do we see signs that this is a, like, um, currently being used farmhouse, or is it like an old rundown? I mean, it, it, looks, it looks a little weathered. The uh, uh, grass is a little, um, you know, weedy. Um but you can see light shining in around the, the closed shutters, so it makes it look like it's inhabited. Well, I guess I'm going to just go right up to the door and knock on the door. Okay. Yep, light would fully work. All right, so you, you hear some sounds from the inside, and then the door opens, and you look through the crack in the door, and you see nothing. But you hear a voice. What? It's a high-pitched, childish voice, it says. Who are you? And you look down, and you see the face of a young girl peering through a crack in the door. Uh, say I'm Beer, and we've actually just been chased by some wolves. There's a pack of wolves out here, and I explain it to her. Like, how young of a girl? Tinnish. Okay, so, so yeah, I continue. I explain the situation, and we barely made it in here, and we're just, I was just wanting to warn whoever's living here that there are wolves just outside and you know just to kind of give them a heads up and that we don't mean any trouble we just want to let them know we're here and to warn them that there's danger nearby okay <clears throat> are the other two of you close by where where this girl can see you or are you a little bit further out I'm gonna say I'm, I'm close to him um we're still near the gate I presume she she Looks the two of you up and down, gives you kind of a, a very thorough going over, and says, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the least we can do to uh, some strangers who've had trouble like that is to let you come in and, and get some rest. So she, she opens the door and steps back, and you see a, a small, thin girl, elfin features with kind of dark skin, not, not like drow type of, but definitely kind of a, a darker, maybe like night elf 
type of features. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and dark hair. She said, please, yeah, welcome to our home. My name is Rose. And over there, that's my, my brother Thorn. And uh, come on in. Um, so I say thanks for the hospitality, yeah, and I ask her, do you live here alone? Well, no, my parents are, are here too, but there's uh, been a monster in the basement. They went down to see the monster and they haven't come back. There's a monster in the basement? Maybe, could you help? How long has it been since they went to the basement? It's it's been a while. Like minutes, hours, days, years. It's it's been a while. Okay, I look over at Lincoln, knowing that he's not going to understand this, but I give him that kind of look that says, "Are these ghost children?" <laughs> wait, wait, what look kind of look did you give me? I just look at you like I'm freaked out. I guess like, what do you think about this? It's kind of like a raised eyebrow. And then I say. Yes, we should go downstairs now. And I open, make way to the basement. I just start opening doors. Like, could just start opening doors looking for the basement. Well, hey, let, let's start here, okay? Um, so over in Discord, <laughs> I uh, uploaded a picture of the children here. Oh, God, this is getting weird and freaky. Cute little whippersnappers, oh, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. And Thorns here holding his his plush doll. Nothing weird about that at all. Uh, we got to remember that we're this is a podcast, so the listeners, this is like vampire looking death children that are freaking right. me out a little yes, bit. Very much. Maybe they just come from a different culture than yours, and that's that's their their normal evening wear. Oh yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to relay the visual. <laughs> She's got a cape on. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> um. All right. So you're in the, the great hall. <laughs> yes. There's a fire, there's some chairs, and uh, some nice, comfy-looking stuffed sofas. It's, it's a very uh, homey feel in here. Okay. Over the mantle, or over the fireplace on the mantle, you see a very shiny longsword with a windmill cameo worked into the hilt. And then you see further on back some stairs leading up to the second floor. And then you see uh, three sets of doors, which are all closed on, on the level that you're on. And two of the sets of doors are flanked by decorative suits of armor. Um, <coughs> the head of the suits of armor, interestingly enough, the, the visors are shaped almost like a wolf's head. Hmm. And they're each clutching a spear. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better about this now. Um, I mean, me, I'm freaking out right now, but my character is really wanting to help these kids, like, no matter what. And, and Rose... But I'm scared, too. She's, she's smiling, and, you know, thank you. you know, we're, we hear the, the, the noises down there, and... Yeah, I, I try to be strong, but Thorne, he, he, he really gets scared. And you see him kind of run up and hug his sister. And he, he doesn't want to really make eye contact with you guys. I think he finds you probably a little intimidating too. You don't see any um, any anything like stairs leading downward. Where, I'm gonna ask the girl where the stairs are, where the basement is. I don't know. You don't know where your basement is in your house? 
So I want to try to convince the girl to tell me. I just know that mommy and daddy said that they were going to go down, down there. Uh, they never told me how they did it. Oh my goodness. Okay, I think she's answering she's in circles, out. and she's, you know, I asked her when, and she told me a while, wouldn't tell me exactly when, and all this has been real vague. So I want to try to um, convince her, you know, through my speech to try to um, convince her to, to tell me really what's going on and get to the bottom of it. If, if, if she's hiding something, I guess. Okay. That wouldn't be deception. That would be what? Persuasion. Persuasion, yeah. Is that cool for me to roll that? Sure. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. She comes up and, you know, you, you look in her eyes and you're obviously making a connection. She says, I've told you all I know. It's been all I can do just to kind of keep things going here and to keep Thorn from, from crying. And you kind of hear a little from Thorn. Okay, so she's being straight up with this is what I'm gathering? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting that she's a, a good kid and she's, she's scared, but she's trying to be strong for her big brother. Or for a little what brother, their, sorry. What are their names? So when we go look for them, we know who to, the names to call out. Daddy's name is Gustav. And Mama's name is Elizabeth. I'm going to walk up to Beer and whisper to him and say, Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's lying because Gustav's not a real name. She just made that up on the top of her head. I don't know if we can trust her. <laughs> I tell I tell Lincoln that I've got a pretty I'm pretty good at reading people and I think she's telling the truth. I would like to tell them to go upstairs and try to stay safe. Okay, we'll go back up to our, our bedroom up there on the second floor and she she points to one of the doors up there on the second floor. Okay. Um, there's food in the kitchen if if you want some food. Um, I go to the kitchen. Okay. And she she points to to one of the sets of doors and then Come along, Thorn. Let's let's go. You're talking about where she's headed upstairs. Yeah. So she she takes her her brother's hand and you know, as she's looking over her shoulder at you guys, and she go they go upstairs and go into one of the the rooms there and close the door. And it's not like a slam or anything. It's just the door closes. Okay, I want to go try to. I want to go get Varian and bring him into this. Yeah, I've still been watching the watching the gate and wondering what's taking so long inside. And I'm gonna search the kitchen, see what kind of food they got. And I'm still not really trusting the wolves at this in this gate. Oh, so now you're gonna split up? Yeah, no, I'm sticking my head out, going, get in here. <laughs> okay, so I walk in and kind of boisterously as I would announce myself as Varen Andalskar. The doors to the kitchen are the one set of doors that don't have the suits of armor flanking it. They're, they're planar doors. And as you're approaching the doors, you can hear some sounds of bustling and activity inside. But yes, you throw the doors open kitchen. and announce the kitchen to the kitchen that you're, you're there and you've who you are and all the sounds stop. Like you predicted, there's oh nobody goodness. in there. I'm freaking out now. I was thinking the kitchen was just right next door. I want to look at the guys and like, because I have no idea what y'all have been doing inside. Well, I'm pretty sure when I was pulling you in, that's what I was trying to say. When I was like, come in here, I was going to say like, got the freaking Adams family in here. So, And I was walking down the hallway towards the kitchen. 
minding my own business, not even thinking. And then I and then I open the door. Okay, I'm gonna do a perception check around the kitchen. You said I heard noises. Yes, you heard noises. Oh, man, this is. I'm just kind of stressing out about this. Fourteen perception. So, the kitchen, aside from the fact that uh, went from being a little boisterous to being totally quiet, it looks like a kitchen. Everything is nice and orderly. Everything looks clean. You see, uh, besides the doors leading into. Uh, back where you came, another set of doors leading to another room, and you see uh, uh, an alcove for a pantry. Or not really an alcove, but like a another room with a no door in front of it, just kind of a archway, and that'd be where the pantry is. Uh, if you see some food, it, it looks fresh. Like human food? Like normal food? Like normal food. Okay. Like food made of human <laughs> body parts? Yeah. So you, okay. you see some cans of things that look like you know, preserves, pickles, things like that. You you see see some apples in a barrel, bread, okay. strips of of uh, salamis are hanging from the ceiling. I just I grab an apple and I just walk back towards the living room. Okay. Or towards wherever you know they are. Yeah, I probably wouldn't even have made it in there. I'm hanging back. All right, so now the three of you are back in the the main hall there. Yeah, and I guess I want to find out. Maybe we can. Um, I mean, she was ten years old and didn't know where the basement was. No. It's definitely not in the house. So I want to go back outside and maybe look for uh, like storm doors going to a basement. Okay. Like around the perimeter of the house. Well, as you're looking around, you see that the the foundation of this farmhouse is on uh, on on some well uh, well built uh, rock wall, <clears throat> and the mortar looks a little old, but it's holding together well. But you don't see any windows or no no sign of the basement at all. I mean, there could there could be one on there, but it looks like a normal foundation. Okay, there's definitely not a access to the. I mean, it, it looks like you know between. Where the house starts and where the ground is, there's maybe about three feet. If if there was, you know, something that looks like maybe there'd be a crawl space or something, but you don't even see that kind of access. It's it's just a, a three foot high rock foundation. Um, I don't know what you guys want to do. Well, we got to check out. I guess we check out those doors inside. You know, by those creepy, uh, creepy armor people. The ghost armor that we're probably gonna have to fight. <sighs> You're so negative. But but maybe. <laughs> I'm a realist. <laughs> you act like I'm out to get you. But yeah, let's. I, no, 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 not I you. Think we check out it, um, the, the middle do door. Door number two. Yeah, the, we send Varen first. Yeah. Because <laughs> he looks. He's the strongest. He's so strong. I'm really I mean, that still not as freaked out as you guys are because I didn't see the children. So I'll open the door. I don't care. Are you going to announce yourself again? <laughs> <laughs> um. What? No, I don't think so. When you leave a room, do you say Viren has left the building? <laughs> Viren has left the room. All right. So you 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 throw open these doors, and you see that you are in the dining room, which is adjoining the kitchen. It's a formal dining room, 
and so you see a nice long mahogany table with eight high back chairs around it plush cushions in them sculpted armrests a lit crystal chandelier is hanging above it and there's another fireplace with a fire burning you see uh, on the walls some tapestries of deer in a forest and uh, you know, there's some windows looking out onto the farm grounds and you see another tapestry of a hunting party a, a looks like a kind of a noble hunting party chasing after after some wolves I'm gonna I'm gonna say wow this is the nicest farmhouse I've ever been into <laughs> so is there anything of particular interest inside this dining room anything uh, out of the ordinary out of sorts for dining I just named all kinds of stuff I know but uh, everything sounded in place well if, if you want to kind of dig a little bit Deeper. Let's try a, a you know, perception or an investigation type of check. Yeah, I want to investigate. I think I'm going to investigate actually something odd. I'm going to look at the tapestries in more detail. Oh, and that's really good. Okay. Nice. So you're looking at the tapestries, and he, he should get the thread count on that thing. <laughs> yes, you can tell that they were they were woven by the the blind weavers of uh, Neverwinter. Who, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you take a close look at them, and you, you see the. You first look at the one that has the the deer, um, that are frolicking in the woods, and when you look a little bit closer, you see that well, there's a little bit more to it than that. You see that uh, there's twisted faces, carved into the tree trunks. Mm -hmm. Interesting. They look like they're either angry or in pain. And the deer are just oblivious to all this suffering that's around them. And then the one of the aristocrats on horseback hunting the wolves, you can also see that if you look further back, it looks like the aristocrats themselves are also being hunted by wolves. What? Man, this is too much. This is too much. This is... Oh, um... I would think I would probably point that out to the group. Lightly. I don't wanna, I kinda wanna look out the window and see what I see. Is there anything anything special out there? Not really the, the the moon's still shining through the clouds and you can see off in the distance but still enclosed by the wall, a barn. Mm-hmm. That's gotta be a, a probably the safest place to go, I bet. Just the barn. Yeah, I'm not going near that barn. I want to go to the next room. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's, let's check out the next room. Let's go to the next room. Man, this music is really working. It really is. I just turned it on, and um, I'm, I mean, it's even creepier. I don't think I want to. Do I it. Sleep. It's worth it. I want to sleep tonight. Okay, so we're going. Let's check out the next door. Baron, Baron, please come check out this. Come open this door, please. I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not strong enough. <laughs> I've tried. I, it was like it was it was stuck or something. You guys act like y'all've seen a ghost or something, and I opened the next door. We saw, two, we saw two creepy kids, man. Come on. I have yet to see anyone in this house but you two fools. Oh, name calling. 
Alright, what's in the behind this door? So behind this door is uh, a den, a smoking room type of thing. The kind of place that you would retire after dinner for, say, um, after dinner drinks and conversation. It's uh, decorated like, uh, it, it was decorated by someone who's a hunter. You see uh, above the fireplace a stag's head, and then you see three stuffed wolves uh, positioned around the perimeter of the room. Mm -mm -mm. Couple of uh, padded chairs uh, with animal furs on them, and then you see uh, a cask for wine, and then uh, a pipe rack, and there's a chandelier above that's lit, and there's a couple of cabinets up against the walls. Mm, I don't. I want to. I want to take a look at the wolves a little closer. Well, uh, whoever whoever taxidermied the wolf did a very good job. It's it's okay. very very lifelike, but it's very dead and very stuffed. Making sure. I want to. I want to check out the. Uh, what'd you say was up there? A stag's head. Yeah, stag's head. I want to investigate that. Boom. It. Wow. It's uh, a stag's head, and it's missing an eye. But Listen, ah. don't know if that's just because of poor taxidermy or because the original stag before it was killed is missing an eye. It has a, a good rack. It looks like it's about a 12-point buck. I'll put my finger in the eye socket. <laughs> <laughs> oh like any normal person would do. Yeah. Just to see. Just to see what it... Okay, so you, yeah. you poke your finger in a dusty, dry eye socket. Okay. And then I just kind of rub my finger on my clothes and walk away, like nothing, like that, like it never happened. Did you say that there were some cabinets? Yep, there were some cabinets. Mm, I want to open the cabinets. Okay, so you try to open the cabinets and you find it's locked. Um, I say, Varen, come yank these cabinets open <laughs> with your super strength. I'm probably gonna take the time finally to ask, what are you two looking for? I don't know. <laughs> we're just searching, looking for clues. Did you I'm tell them about the basements? Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, Baron. yeah. Well, well, I assumed we filled him in, but I guess we haven't. Yeah, yeah. We're looking for a basement. I think it's in the. I think I think it's a secret a secret entrance in this room. That's how. That's what I. Uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I, I go back and replay everything word for word our entire this, conversation with the children. This seems that like noted. a place that only adults so, go into. You know. So you two took it upon yourself to search through these people's homes. No, 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 we got asked. We got asked to save these little kids' parents. I want to open these cabinets. Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick the locks. Okay. Okay, I can do that too. Slot pretty well. Oh, but go ahead. Well, if you fail, I can try. It. All right. So I was just the orphan. I got the thieves' tools and all that. But oh, I don't know. I, just I don't know what that does though. I just need to stop. I think it gives you plus two. I just need to stop rolling. I'm going terrible. Yeah, that that didn't do it. Okay, I'd like to try. So is it is lock picking? What do you roll for that? Just a lot of hands. Assume. Oh, okay. Okay, well, that's okay because beer finesses the lock. Probably turns around over his shoulder and kind of looks at you and kind of gives a little smug. <laughs> and I give him a, a nice little clap. Hand clap. I'm, I'm a supportive. Alright, so you open up the cabinet. And inside the cabinet, you see three crossbows. 
You see a heavy crossbow, a light crossbow, and a hand crossbow, as well as uh, some stacks of bolts. Okay. Well, I actually have a light crossbow already, so I guess we're just going to grab it all. I'll grab it all. I'm going to take the hand crossbow. I'm going to say give me that big boy. Yeah, I'll just, I'll do that. So each of you gets a, a crossbow and 20 bolts. And these are I standard bolts, it's not magical or anything. I guess I got a second light crossbow now. I mean, they're two-handed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I offered a trade for the hand crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. Okay. All right, that's cool. Now, as you guys are tromping around the, in the room, you, you start hearing a low growl. Okay. Like that. What do you do? Uh, would, where did the growl come from? Like back towards the main hall? It, it looks like it's coming from under a table that's uh, next to one of the next to one of the uh, lounge chairs. Uh, take a step back and kind of nudge Varen towards that table. The the table underneath the tables in the, in the shadows. You can clearly hear that the growling's coming from there. I'll say you, Varen, check that out. See what's going on under that table. Um, I kind of stepped to the side, and you said it has a cover over it? Well, no, it's just you know, one of those tables where, top of the table, and there's legs, and then you know, just empty space underneath the table. Just shadow. Uh, okay. I kind of stepped to the side, like, to where my feet's not showing, and lean over the table to where just my head is peeking down, <laughs> if that makes sense. So he's going face first under the table, that's what I heard. Face first. Okay. To the side. But standing my body to the side. No problem. So, so that I could quickly pull my head back over the top of the table. You you look down there and you see under the table a small well maybe not small, maybe medium sized dog. Looks a little little hungry, a little dirty, but it's a little black and white dog. Floppy ears, tails between its legs. Definitely looks like he's threatened by you. Uh, I say, come here, little fella. Bring out a piece of whatever ration. And I turn back to the guys and say, you are such scaredy cats. <laughs> nice. And so the, the dog slowly pops out. Slowly walks out and comes towards you. What's your name, little fella? Nose is, is twitching and he, he comes and he gently takes the morsel of food from your hand. And if you look over at Discord, I've shown you a picture of the puppy. Is that your actual dog? No. No, my dogs are are much smaller and kind of evil looking. I want to do some animal handling. I want to just calm him down. Well, I'm feeding the dog. He's calm. He's a pretty little dog. Yeah, I mean, the the tail's still down, but he's not growling anymore. The the ears are more in a neutral position and not, not down anymore. There's there's no collar. They're touching him, right? Yeah. Their hand doesn't like go through him or anything. He's he's solid. Okay. Seems like a flesh and blood dog. A <laughs> little bit of a doggy breath and dog funk. Okay. He still looks hungry, so if you, if you want to give him some more food, I say, uh, Lincoln, give me another one of those beef jerky you had. I'm not using all of mine. <laughs> okay, so you feed the dog some more jerky, and yeah, now it looks like you're you're making a new friend here. You, you can, the tail's starting to thump, and then the dog looks a little relaxed, and just kind of presses up against you. And it looks like, he looks relieved that he's he's seeing some people again. Interesting. 
even though there's kids in the house and supposedly people living here. Yeah, after seeing those pictures of those kids, I mean, hey, let's go check on the children. I think they'll be fine. They're creepy. <laughs> They're creepy kids. I want to go up to where they were. Yeah, let's take the dog with us. Want to give the dog a name or are we just going to call it the dog? I'm going to name him Brutus. Okay. We'll probably ask the children what the dog's name is, right? It's probably their dog. No, this is Brutus. <laughs> He's my dog now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Varen has himself a dog now. And the, right. the dog seems you know, a little wary at being in the house, but is, is happy to trot behind you. Alright, so I want to go up the stairs, said the door that they were yeah, at. Let's go, let's go upstairs. Let's prove to Varen that there's kids <laughs> in this house. Alright, so you, um, you go up the steps, and up the top of the steps, you see a portrait of what you presume is the whole family. They, you see Rose and Thorn. They look a little bit younger in the picture than they, they do now. And then you see uh, two adults with them. They, they look like they're also elfin with kind of um, dark skin. And uh, the father has a mustache, a little bald on top, and then their mother is uh, kind of a, a classic beauty. There's a little bit of regalness to her. And the children are both smiling, which you didn't quite see when when you saw them earlier. But uh, when they're both smiling, they're really cute. Not creepy at all. Hmm. Hmm. We'll see. And then you see up there, at this level, there are one, two, three, four, five, right? Six doors. And one of them you recognize is the door that the children went into when they went back upstairs. Okay. I want to knock on that door, I guess. Yeah. I'll say, Rose. Thorn. You don't hear anything. No, no sounds of anything stirring on the other side of the door. I'm going to open the door. It's locked. Oh, my goodness. These shifty kids to not lock this out. But you did tell them to lock the door. Yeah. I think I did yeah, tell that's them. That's right. Now I feel... Okay, so I want to say, I'll call out again and say it's it's me, Beer. I was um, wanting to check on you guys. Nothing. Your your words kind of just sound flat and hollow as they echo down the hallway. I'm gonna start questioning. Are you guys playing a joke on me? I think we should open this room up. I think we need to check these kids. We'll check on these kids. Lockpick the door, Lincoln. Make yourself okay. useful. There we go. Eighteen dexterity save proud of you. Finally did something. Well, kind of, because that's not really enough to get the door unlocked. Uh, uh, it's not. What? It's a pretty complicated looking lock. And it's also a little rusty looking. In nice. fact, it's kind of weird. The uh, While the downstairs look very spick and span and clean, the upstairs is looking a little bit less well kept up. You definitely see on like oh. the door sills and on the frame of that picture, a lot of dust. On the, the railing of the banisters, a lot of dust. And you don't see any footprints other than your own in the carpet. I'm going to try to pick the lock. It's a complicated lock, man. I guess I'll try my thieves' tools on him. Okay. If I can figure out how to do it. I did slide a hand earlier, but now I click the thieves' tools. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 
What? what did that do? Well, that looks like a natural 20. Oh, oh, so I should add five to that. I don't know why these rolls don't work. That's awesome. Mm. Well, you know, you, you, you struggle a bit with the lock, and it's definitely a lot harder to to throw than the one that uh, was downstairs. Uh-huh. Part of that seems to do with the condition and the age of the right. lock, but you do manage to, to throw the bolt. Okay. And now okay. the door is unlocked. What do you do? I say... Very open door. <laughs> the door is still stuck. It's really, and this needs some extra strength. It's jammed. Put your shoulder into it. I, I'm really, I'm really gonna shake my head because I really don't know why these guys are so freaked out, and I'm going to lean into it and push that door on open. The door That's creaks open on on hinges that uh, have seen better days. Okay. And. This this room is, is a lot dimmer. Most of the illumination comes in from the moon shining in through the window. And on either side of the window you see two child-sized beds. And you see a toy chest with windmills painted on its sides and a dollhouse that looks like a pretty pretty nice replica of the house that you're in. And then there's also a bookshelf with some books on it. And some small chairs and a small table, like kind of a craft table. And in the middle of the floor are two small shapes, kind of uh, huddled up next to each other. Nah, no, no. And I'm going to ask, you guys must have been mistaken. This, you said two children come in this room? Yeah, two of them. I'm going to investigate the shapes. Well, the, the clothes that they're wearing are very familiar. Oh, snap. Nah. See, I knew it. But it, it looks like they they died a long time ago. Yeah, a, nat- a natural 20 crit in my investigation as well. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and it, it doesn't look like you don't see any signs of foul play. It just... Maybe maybe they, they died of... Wait, wait, wait. I want, I want to look at the door. Was that lock locked from the inside? No, it was actually locked from the outside. So these children were locked in their room and left to die? Is that what I'm gathering here from my investigation? That's what I tell the other guys. I don't know if I can take... I can't take this anymore. This is crazy. I'm freaking out. Behind you, you hear a girl's voice say, It's been a long time. She sounds very sad. Is it Rose? You, you turn around and you see Rose holding Thorn's hand. She, she She's looking at you and looking at the bodies her body and her brother's body and man she she looks sad almost like she's about ready to cry I lean over put my arm slowly around Varen and nudge him forward and I push back with all of my might and resistance to where I almost fall backwards by the way uh, Brutus you, you kind of hear Brutus kind of whine and behind you he, he's definitely uneasy easy here. So these, these children just appeared in the middle of the room, right? Or wherever? Well, not really in the middle of the room, but kind of, kind of around around the periphery. But I just mean they just appeared like they didn't, we didn't see them like walk anywhere or come out of a door or anything. One minute yeah. you were alone and the next minute the two of them were there. I get on my, I get on my knee kind of getting you know, level with them and I ask, what did, what, what, what did she say? It was what was her last thing she just said? That uh, that it, they'd been 
It, it had been a long time. I'm gonna ask her what does she mean by that. It's been a long time since when? Since what? Since mommy and daddy put us up here. Why did they put you up there? Well, they they said they were gonna go down to the basements to, to deal with the monster, and they put us up here for our protection. But they never came back. Oh, it's, it's this story again. That's right, because they're telling the truth. That's what he said earlier. So. Yeah. So the so so the parents did go downstairs wherever. And you still don't know where the stairs are. No, they they told us we were too little to go down there, and they wouldn't even tell us how to do it. You know, I'm still kneel down, and I ask them if there's ever been anybody else here to help. Has anybody else came to help fight the monster in the basement? She looks at you, and then she looks down, and then still looking at the ground, she makes kind of a small, slight nod. Oh, man. How many? Lots. Wow. I think that's a perfect ending. <laughs> but yeah, that, that'll wrap it up for this one. Um, I cannot wait to get back into this. I want to thank you, Phil, for coming on and doing them. You did a great job. Yes. We had a blast. I can't wait to get back into it. I know. I, I, I want to know what happens. Uh, my goodness, this was so good. I hope it comes across as fun as it was to record. Yeah. I sure had a blast. You guys have been great. You've come up with some very creative ways to uh, to stay alive despite all the little baddies that I threw at you. Did you have any intention for it to be a wolf horse chase? That was one of the... Uh, one of the scenarios I, I planned for, I also planned that maybe you'd stand your ground and the wolves would kill you, and I'd just resurrect you inside the farmyard. Wow. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. See? See? That's why you don't stand a fight. <laughs> All right. Well, we definitely need to wrap it up, but I appreciate it. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. And until next time, I am Tom Tanner. I'm Ryan Hutchison. I'm Hugh Stevens. And I am Phil, the evil GM. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Who Shuffled. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Who Shuffled. Mm-hmm.